0: Good evening. I'm Joseph Martinez, and welcome to Dead Time Stories, a podcast presented by Ranker, dedicated to telling short, scary stories submitted by real people. Whether the stories are real or not, who knows? But they are scary. Now, please forgive me. I can take you no further. But your stories lie just ahead. Down the dark alleyway, your host awaits. Do be careful, though. Deadhead can be Mercurial. I'll wait for you here. Godspeed.
1: As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu podcast.
2: Have you heard you can listen to your favorite gripping investigations ad-free?
3: My little cadavers. And thank you for flying dead-time scare lines. (laughs) Please fasten your caskets and return your headstones to their full upright and locked positions. For tonight, I have five airport horror stories for you. First up, a flight attendant encounters one of the most demanding customers ever in the passenger.
2: The service industry is tough on its own. Doing that job thousands of feet off the ground, trapped with your customers, even worse... Sure, being a flight attendant has its perks. You get to meet interesting people and travel the world. The downside is you also have to deal with the entitled drunk assholes who refuse to stay in their seat with their seat belts fastened. Once in a while though, you encounter people who are just something else. It was just a simple red-eye flight to DC. Most of the passengers were asleep so it should have been an easy flight. Only one guy was awake. I remember he wore a business suit, super formal, red tie, short, perfectly cut hair, pencil thin mustache and I think they're called spectacles, not quite glasses. He wasn't listening to music or watching the in-flight movie or anything. He only sat there and stared forward as though he was in his head. I walked over to see if everything was alright and if I could get him anything. Coffee, black, was all he said. Easy enough. I get him his coffee and head back to the galley, but I can feel his eyes on me. I turn, and sure enough, he's staring straight at me. He takes one slow, focused sip, like he's trying to read my mind. Then, right after that, he rings his call button. I head over, thinking he must want cream and sugar after all. When I get to him, he's just staring into my eyes, not blinking once. Coffee, black, is all he says. I smile and nod, eyeing the full cup of coffee I just brought him. Not an easy customer after all. I get him his second cup. The flight goes on like that. The staring, the call button ding, the coffee black. The strange thing is, The more he asked, the more willing I was to serve. It was an out-of-body experience. I was floating above myself, watching my body obey this man's orders. Like I was his own personal robot designed to get him coffee. No exaggeration, I brought him 37 cups of black coffee. Then things started to get really weird. He dings me over, but this time he holds out his hands. Your earrings, please. I was shocked. I wanted to tell him to fuck off. These belong to my mother, but... Something in his voice. In his eyes. I had to do what he wanted, no matter what. I gave him the earrings and hurried back to the galley, crushed. I didn't want to give him the earrings. I had to. He called again. Every fiber of my being wanted to strap into the jump seat and stay there till we landed, but... I could not ignore the sound of the bell. I went to him, pour water into that man's lap. I did it, pluck three hairs from the woman with the glasses in the next row. I, I tug her hairs out, but she stays sound asleep. And then I realize we're all under his power. He was having me test people's obedience to stay asleep. Before I knew it, he had me stealing from other passengers and giving him the loot. All of a sudden, I got a headache, like my eyes were being squeezed by a gorilla. But still, I I couldn't stop. I was under his spell. I'd reached the end of my rope. I figured that would be the end of me. I would faint there in the aisle and never wake up. That's when he turned to me with a wicked smile that I knew would lead to no good that girl he said give me her blood i looked across the aisle and saw a sleeping little girl maybe eight or nine years old what in christ's name was happening then he showed me an empty syringe and i took it my hands shook i didn't want to do it what was he doing to me how was he in my head With no control over my own actions, I grip the syringe in my hand. This is pure insanity, but I know, deep down, I'm going to steal this little girl's blood. I take one step forward when we hit some rough air. It threw me back onto the strange hypnotic man, and the syringe jabbed him in the leg. He screamed in pain, and I screamed in anger. No! Then I collapsed. The needle stab must have broken his power over me because I was able to stand up under my own free will. Then I just, I lost it. I was a mess. I was screaming and pointing at the strange man and he just looked at me like I was Looney Tunes. The syringe was gone but I let him have it anyway. That's when the other flight attendants walked me back to the galley and I stayed there. By the time we landed I was shaken but mostly calm. I watched the passengers disembark and I eyed the strange man as he passed. He never even glanced at me, but he did drop an air sick bag at my feet. When everyone left, I opened it. Inside, the syringe.
3: Don't you just hate air travel? They always try and bleed you dry. (laughs) But have no fear, cadavers. The only price you'll have to pay is this next break.
4: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas.
3: Ready to take off on another aviation abomination? Our next tale follows a pilot whose night flight takes a turn for the weird in the UFO. I'm Captain John Russell with Tempest Cargo. I fly goods all over the US with most routes usually coming and going from the Southwest. I've done this job for years and it's usually as interesting as waiting in line at the DMV. But I'll never forget what happened one night in July last year. It was like any other flight that week, dropping off some medical supplies and microscopes to some university out in Tucson, Arizona. Had a new co-pilot that night, some greenhorn fresh out of flight school named Castle. He kept going on and on about how he wasn't going to get stuck as a flying delivery man. (laughs) Sounded like a younger me. All in all, though, I liked the fresh company. Anyway, it's 3 a.m., and we got another hour to go. Castle decides to take a nap. I let him. Some quiet time sounded nice right about then. We had clear skies and smooth sailing over the desert. It was soothing being surrounded by stars and the hum of the engines. Then I see something. Around Orion's belt. Normally there's three stars that make up that belt. But Orion must have gotten a new tailor because there's four now. Then that fourth star starts moving. Slow at first, horizontally. Now, I've flown that route hundreds of times, same exact route, same exact time schedule, and I've never seen another plane in that part of the sky, ever. I think about waking up the new guy, but what good would that do? It's his first night, he doesn't know how strange it is to have company in these parts. Suddenly there's a ringing in my ears, buzzing. Not like my ears popping or anything, but like someone's charging a battery directly over my head. That's when I realize that looking at this light in the sky is giving me a headache. The pain goes from a 1 to an 11 in seconds. It's so bad, I think I'm going to faint. Then the trawling white light loops around. <laughs> Not like any plane I've ever seen. It's it's zipping around like some kind of video game, and my head's throbbing even harder. I feel weak, and I'm having trouble lifting my arms. On top of that, the cargo seems to spring to life. Computers, heart monitors, x-ray machines. I can hear them all from the crates. All of them ringing and working at once like someone just zapped them full of juice. And Castle, He's just sleeping his way through this insanity. Out cold, like he's been drugged, dead to the world. It takes some doing, but I'm able to grab him by the arm and shake him. I need him to take over the controls. That's when his head flops over face and mine. His eyes are wide open and he's crying. He's awake, but he can't move. Well, we need to make an emergency landing and fast. I go for the radio, but all I get is static. At least I thought it was static. The noise was like a jackknife through my skull. But it almost sounded like two things having a conversation in a strange language. That light that was once a small star is now coming straight for the cockpit windows like the headlights of a semi-truck. I'm screaming, but Castle still can't budge. He's just frozen there, tears in his eyes. In seconds, that light fills the cabin. It's warm and all-encompassing, like being hugged by a neutron star. Things are about to go supernova. I pray. I yell. And it all goes white. Next thing I know, I'm stiff as a board in my seat. We're in Tucson, Arizona, on the landing strip. The plane is in pristine condition, and Castle stretches and yawns like a bear coming out of hibernation. We here already, John? He sounded like one of my kids after a day at the amusement park. I needed a second. I look at the clock, and it doesn't add up. We were flying around 3 a.m., but now we're on the ground, and it's 2 a.m. We gained an hour. It's impossible. I don't know what happened with that light, and I didn't care to tell anyone about it. We got out of there unharmed, and that's good enough for me. I just know I never want to see that light again. Starlight, star bright. If there's an alien out there tonight, please go easy on the probing. Don't worry, cadavers. I have more unsettling, frightful offerings after the break.
2: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
5: Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to Figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending, LLC, DBA Figure. Equal Opportunity Lender. NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org.
3: Well, it seems everyone on a plane these days has an emotional support animal. Well, the passenger in our next tale is going to need all the support he can get in the pet.
4: I've been a TSA agent for several years now. So I've seen people try to smuggle all kinds of crazy shit past security. Guns, drugs, even human bones. But what happened last week? Well, it was a Sunday night. Somehow those days seemed to be the busiest. People getting back from vacation, people headed out for a Monday meeting, but not me. I was at work staring at hundreds of bags and suitcases and boxes. I hate Sundays. Then I heard a scream. I look over and see security running to the food court outside bag check. There was a man face down on the ground like he had just dropped dead. Security confirmed it. A crowd gathered. The guy was in his 40s or 50s. Red polo shirt covered in his last meal. Cinnabon. His face was frozen in a scream. We all stared in shock. I checked over the crowd. Whenever a panic happens in an airport, you look for the person doing the opposite of everyone else. In this case, what caught my attention was one guy. bald. Kind of short, stocky, wore a trench coat and big bottle cap glasses that were nearly goggles. His eyes were lit up. He didn't seem concerned, yet he was sweating. I made my way toward him to ask him some questions when... More screams. We were on it in seconds. A woman had found another woman dead in the bathroom. Same as the man. Face down. Look of shock. Blood from the impact. By then, the airport police were there and were trying to figure out if they should hold everyone in the terminal or have them evacuate chaos was starting to bubble. To me, it didn't seem like a chemical or biological attack. Otherwise, we'd all be infected. There were no signs of trauma either, and witnesses said both people just collapsed. Taking a closer look at the bodies, there were blue stains on their hands, like smudged ink. The CDC team was there in no time to collect, but it was too late. Another body. The dam had broken. Everybody in the food court knew something was very wrong and went into a frenzy, running like maniacs while half of security tried to cordon off the area and the other half tried to detain travelers as suspects. Then I see the bottle cap glasses guy hunched over. He's chasing something behind a counter, trying to corral it. I grab him by the cuff. What the hell are you doing? He gulps, thinking of an excuse in his head, I'm sure, but he knows he's in too deep. I'm looking for my pet. Someone from the CDC is on a bullhorn telling us we're being quarantined. My Sunday just got 10 times worse and it's all this guy's fault. I notice his latex gloves and he tells me he wasn't sure how to get his pet through security. The box broke and it escaped. I can't help but shake him. What kind of pet kills people left and right? I turn around. People are running around in circles or crying and security has their weapons drawn. Among all that madness, there's a little frog on the counter cute, colorful, red and blue frog. Glasses tells me the little tropical guy is deadly. It's barely the size of a pinball, but there's a body count to prove it. I had to act fast. With everyone in such an uproar, anything could set it off and latch to another victim. I grabbed a soda cup and lid and just hoped it wouldn't jump onto my face. Then Glasses shakes me. He needs that frog. I can't have him. I push Glasses back, but he won't let go. We're on the ground, rolling for our lives. I can't help but think, This is going to be the dumbest way to die. Turns out it wasn't my time. The frog jumps onto his bald head. I watch the frog's venom go in, and that man's soul go out. He convulses, shakes, and dead, right on top of me. The frog is about two inches from my face. Without a second thought, I slap the soda cup on the dead man's head and call over security. We have our murderer, a poisoned dart frog, turns out glasses caught the frog on an expedition and was more than likely going to sell it in the states the news called me a hero but i didn't feel that way not with four people dead the frog was okay and given to the local zoo under lock and key it was kind of cute despite being a teeny tiny killing machine
3: I've heard of passengers losing items at TSA, but their lives? That seems excessive. Sit through this next break while I raise a complaint. Anyone that's flown before knows the pain of sitting through a long-haul flight. Our next storyteller's plight takes that to a whole new level in a story I call,
5: The Seat. Maybe I should have used one of those paper gaskets. Maybe it's what I get for making fun of plus size people. I was on a flight to Tampa Bay for a conference. I hated flying. Crammed shoulder to shoulder with... Other people? I sat first class of course, but couldn't avoid touching the guy sitting next to me. He must have weighed over 300 pounds with no sense of personal space and he was fast asleep snoring. I thought the flight couldn't get any worse. Then I felt that airport sushi start to catch up with me. Oof! Why did I have to get the scallop roll with extra wasabi? I practically pole vault over the schlub sleeping next to me and hightail over to the bathroom. I get in and take care of things. I'm on my phone, going over the conference details, and without even realizing I was sitting on the tiny toilet, I pressed the flush button. I'll admit it, I screamed. Just a little. It felt like my butt just got vacuum sealed to the bowl. Because it did. It's those airplane toilets, you know? They have to use high-power suction when they flush, and when I sat there with no gaps... Long story short, I'm stuck. I try to pull off, but my ass is caught in the hoover from hell. I start to panic. Last thing I want to do is open the door and ask for help. So I grab at anything within reach and pull. But it feels like I'm going to rip the skin off my cheeks in the process. I pull anyway, and I'm snapped back like a rubber band. Deeper. The pressure is growing. It feels like there's a real chance I could get sucked through the goddamn toilet. Someone knocked on the door. I guess it has been a while. Uh, yeah... Give me a few minutes, just, uh, getting something out of my system. I had to buy some time. Then I see the soap dispenser. Maybe if I soap up around the perimeter, I can slide off. I took the chance. I spread that sweet-smelling liquid between the bowl and my skin and try to wiggle out. Horrible idea. I got stuck further in. Now the flight attendant is knocking on the door. They have ways to open the door from the outside so I know time is of the essence. I pull and kick as hard and as fast as I can. Meanwhile, people are at the door knocking and asking if it's okay to enter. Then it hits me. Maybe if I push the flush button one more time. I press that button and with all my might, I shove off that porcelain trap and... Oh God. It all went black. When I wake up, I got bandages around my head and all around my waist. I must have flown off that thing because my head knocked down the bathroom door. They said I nearly bled out then and there. But hey, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Right?
3: Let's take a break while we mourn the loss of Dennis's dignity. One more story after this. For our final tale, cadavers, we have a story that starts where most travel ends. Baggage claim. This one is called
1: The Suitcase they say it's not about the destination but the journey i can tell you i travel for a living it's about the destination until it's not i was flying back from a business trip with a large hard to find figurine i had bought for my daughter she loved those types of toys and it would make her day the suspense of baggage claim was killing me i was sure they had smashed my suitcase with the figure inside but there it was a red guardsman brand heavy duty suitcase on wheels perfectly cushioned for in-box vinyl figurines. I felt like I won the lottery getting my suitcase so quickly. Others weren't so lucky. There was a man, big guy, shaved head, leather jacket. As I left the airport he was screaming at some clerk about his suitcase missing. Whatever was in there must have been important because the guy was pissed and he didn't care who knew it. What did I care? I was on my way home with a gift that would win me Mom of the Year. It was a bit of a trip to get back to the house, and it was late, so I stopped and grabbed a cup of coffee at a drive through As I dug through my purse for change, I heard something. A rustling inside the car, and it's coming from the back seat. I ignored it. Figured I was just fried from the trip. I must be hearing things. I focused my mind on getting home so I could see the happy look on my daughter's face. I shook my head and sipped my latte. I was 10 or 15 minutes into my drive. Traffic was light, some good jazz on the radio. I heard it again. I looked in my rearview mirror, and the bag had moved from behind my seat to the middle one. It kind of shocked me. I had been driving in a straight line. I hadn't made any turns. What made my luggage move? I lowered my music and kept an eye on the suitcase as I drove. I began to get a sudden creeping feeling like I wasn't alone then I heard a bang and a loud thump the suitcase fell from the back seat to the ground I shot into the shoulder and slammed on the brakes I stared into my rearview waiting for another move or sound did I doze off on the road and dream it or did I see what I just saw something moving in the suitcase I was in the middle of nowhere and it was dark out I knew what I had to do. I had to open the case to ease my mind. I went out to my trunk and got out a small steel hand shovel I kept in case of snow. You can never be too careful. Slowly, I walked to the back seat and opened the door. It looked like my red Guardsman brand suitcase, but then I realized it didn't have my tag on it. I was in such a rush to get home that I must have taken the wrong one. It moved again. This time I was sure of what I saw. Something was in that suitcase and it was alive. My mind raced a mile a minute. I had no idea what to do. Open it myself or call the police. Then it slowly unzipped itself from the inside. Inch by inch the zipper opened and I stood there too terrified to breathe. I raised the hand shovel and prepared for the worst to emerge from that bag. A shape flops under the snow. My eyes adjust and it's... a little girl. She looks malnourished, tired and beaten. I can't understand the language she speaks, but the look on her face and her pleading tone says everything. I drop the shovel and I embrace her tightly. As tightly as my own daughter. She's cold and hungry. I call the cops to take care of the girl and tell them everything I know. The suitcase must have belonged to that angry man at the airport. I describe him as best as I could and hope they catch him, but the girl, the girl's the most important. I wish her well as I depart, wanting to spend as much time as I can with my daughter. No more long business trips.
3: I'm afraid we've reached our final destination, and alas, it's time for us to disembark. I know you have many choices for scare travel, but I'm happy that you've chosen Dead Time Scare Lines. I hope you've enjoyed our five airport horror stories, and do come visit me again soon. We have many more short, scary stories to share. Sweet dreams, my little cadavers.
0: You've made it through the night. Congrats. Let's get going before that changes. The stories you've just heard were written by Jacob Davison. Tonight's episode starred Todd Lights, Mary Catherine Greenwald, Andrew Arnett, Carly Abuso, and Fiona Dorn. With editing by Dan Rabbins. I believe you can find your way home from here. Until next time, farewell.